And it's, it's amazing, you know, when you think about how low people can go. Um, was it Alex that sent me that joke? Somebody stole my limbo stick at my house. I mean, how low can you go? <laughs> you know, that phrase, how low can you go? I, I mean, think about that for a moment. Um, as November 2nd, 2016, anybody know what happened on that date? November 2nd, 2016? Well, it's, it's my birthday. But something else happened. Something happened near Redding, California. In, on November 2nd, 2016. Nothing's ringing a bell? Near Redding, California, where a mother disappeared. Two kids, husband crying, trying to find her. They finally found her a month later, beaten and branded. And now they're coming out. It was all a hoax. She faked her own kidnapping, went and stayed with an ex-boyfriend. And imagine the kids and the husband during this time. Use the GoFundMe money to pay credit card bills. How low can you go? I mean, think about that for a moment. And, uh, and the cops searching all the money that they spent trying to find her. The ex-boyfriend bought uh, something to brand her, a tool to brand her, so that she branded herself. I mean, how low do you go to get money? To fake your own kidnapping. Now she's facing 20 years in jail. She's in trouble for this one. And it's just amazing. The family confused. They don't know what to do. It's just... Uh, just a whole thing, all for a lie, all for making up a story. You say, how low can you go? Well, we're about to study somebody that goes pretty low. His name is King Ahab. We'll call him Atrocious Ahab. All right? And here's the sad thing. We're going to see a lot of our own lives in Atrocious Ahab. But Atrocious Ahab, if, if you remember here, we studied a little bit about the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, and how it divided there as we're studying the different kings. You have the southern kingdom led by the descendants of David, and we, we started with David, then it went to Solomon, then Rehoboam, and then King Asa, and, and you know, they were okay, they were mostly godly, they had their mistakes, their faults, but then when you get to the northern kingdom and you study those guys, this is one ungodly person after another, just ungodly, 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 and and uh, let's move a couple of slides, a couple of slides behind here, ungodly, he'll wake up here in an hour, uh, next next one, <laughs> next slide here, here we go, but, ah, southern kingdom and then the northern kingdom here, mostly by, one more slide here, mostly, there we see, because, yeah, amen, there we go, northern kingdom, <laughs> Led by a succession of ungodly people. I mean, study these guys out. Started with Jeroboam. Jeroboam was pretty bad. We studied him out. And then you get to some of those people after him. And one lasted seven days, committed suicide. One was killed by another guy. I mean, you just go down the line. They were terrible. Terrible. But how low can you go? Atrocious Ahab, he beats them. And, and if you look at this here, watch this here. He, he, he reigned 22 years. So there's some stability here as the northern king here. 
He, and he reigned in Samaria. And, and, and notice what it says here about him. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, in verse 30, more than all who were before him. Now, it's not saying that he did just a little bit more than each one. He did more than all of them combined. That's a lot of evil. That is a lot. He did more than all. I was thinking about uh, some of the kids that I've coached over the years and and how some of them have been disrespectful, you know. You know, you have disrespectful kids. And now on the team, we got one. I'll tell you, he takes the kid. He is more than all of them. All of them. Ahab is more than all of them combined. He did, you say, how bad was he? I mean, how low can he go? Watch this, verse 31. He didn't learn from the mistakes of his ancestors. Look at this. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. That word trivial means insignificant. It didn't bother him. You know, this, is, this is amazes me because you look at the other kings, sin bothered them. But with Ahab, it doesn't even bother him. It didn't even bother him that his fathers made mistakes. It didn't even bother him that they were, they were entrenched in worship. Like it didn't even bother. It was a trivial thing. It was an insignificant thing. Let me just give a warning to parents, by the way. The sins that we walk in, our children will say, you know what? That's nothing compared to what my dad, my dad did it. I can do it. We're fine with this. Let's just go and do it. We got to be very careful how we walk. In fact, don't go to Tim Challey for uh, counseling after your kid doesn't walk with the Lord because you know what he's going to tell you? He came from you. It's your fault. You know what I mean? I ain't going to. He's right. He's right. He like, stabs me in the heart. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, I don't know. My kid's doing it. Oh, he came from you, Jeremy. I right, thank you. I'm never calling you again. But anyway, trivial thing. <laughs> it was a trivial thing. It was an insignificant thing. For him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, it didn't even bother him that his, they lived the way they did. Because guess what he does? Look at the next thing he does. He marries Jezebel. Holy moly. This wicked queen. This evil, stubborn, self-willed woman. They were the Bonnie and Clyde of the Old Testament. I mean, she's bad. We're going to see her in a moment. I'm not going to pick on her now. By the way, I don't think, I hope Sarah, Jezebel is off your list. You're not marrying, you're not, I mean, not going to have the kid named Jezebel. No, not on the list. Although I did say it one Sunday. Anybody have any relatives named Jezebel? And Jessica said she did. She had a cousin named Jezebel. Anybody else have a, any relatives named Jezebel? This is probably a name you don't want to use. All right, because she is, she is unbelievable. By the way, she's the only queen that, that, that God judges directly in the Old Testament. And she is so wicked. I mean, how do you know she's wicked? Well, look at her family. Verse 31. She's the daughter of Eth Baal. You say, what is that? You know, that's a, that's a, you know, you say, why is that important? Well, Eth Baal means to be, in the Hebrew means with Baal. And we're going to talk about Baal. Baal was the God of this land or the God of the crops or the God of the weather or the God of, of the cattle. So they prayed to this God so they would have good weather and they would pray to this God for their crops and they would pray to this God for their cattle. And if there was ever a famine in the land, you know what they would do? They would offer up some of their babies to him. 
they would kill for this God. It should have been a red alarm and a bing, 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 bing. She's the daughter of who? Ethbel. He's with, and, and, and look at this. He married because of political reasons, because this guy was a king. He marries because of political reasons, but guess what? He ends up worshiping Baal. Look at this. He went to serve Baal, and he worshiped him. He's the first king that we see actually worshiping Baal. We've seen other do bad things, but he is worshiping Baal. Not only that, verse 32, he erected an altar for him, and he built a house for him. And look how far does he go? I mean, he is, he is really entrenched in his Baal worship. And if that isn't bad enough in verse 33, he also made that Asherah, what, what, that pole to the, to the goddess of fertility. So, so now they got the female god, they got the male god, and they got all these rituals. He is entrenched in this stuff. In fact, this is amazing. He did more to provoke the Lord than all the kings of Israel who were before him. You know what it's saying here? He did more to upset God. He did more to cause grief to God than all the kings before him. That's pretty low. We're going low. He's worshiping idols. And, and she, she's Jezebel's. She, she's incredible. She, she, got, she got her own prophets. She gets 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Azra. And what she does is she tries to eliminate all the prophets of God and kill them. And she has all these other prophets evangelizing. I mean, this is, this is incredible stuff. Doesn't stop there. Look what else he does here. He had a total disregard for God and his word. Did you know that when Joshua fought the battle at Jericho, should we sing the song? <laughs> that God put a curse on them and said, you will never rebuild Jericho. Did you know that God said, if you try to rebuild Jericho, I am going to kill your firstborn son. Did you know that? Did you know that in the days of Ahab, he allowed this to happen? Look what happens here in verse 34. These people that Bob pronounced beautifully that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Chiel. Very good, Bob. You, you did incredible. In fact, you, you taught me how to pronounce all these. Thank you so much. <laughs> he decides to rebuild Jericho when God said, don't do it. Ahab allowed him to do it. And it cost him his sons. Not one son. It cost him his both. He cost him more than one son. And yet he still disregarded the Bible. He still disregarded the word of the Lord. Ahab allowed Heel to build something that God said, don't do. What a king this is. I mean, you talk about bad. He done more to provoke the Lord than anybody else. He marries Jezebel and he can care less about God and his word. How would you like to be under that leader? Let me just tell you this real quick before we move on. The character and the behavior of a leader sets the standards for a nation. People say it doesn't. I remember when Clinton came out and he was unfaithful and all that, and people wanted him to resign, and I'll never forget what the news said. Yeah, he needs to resign if he's a pastor, but he's a president, so we don't expect those things from him. You know how many kids Putin has? Anybody know? Look it up. You know how many he has? At least two. What does that mean? <laughs> he has at least two. What does that tell you about him? Not much character there. 
The character of a leader sets the tone for a nation. And this man has no character. In fact, he is all about himself, as we're going to see here in a moment. He is just about himself. He's all about serving self. In fact, there's only two options on the shelf. I don't know who, this Ken Collier, I don't know who he is, but this is amazing. There's two options on the shelf. Are you ready for this? We can please God or we can please who? Self. Those are the only two options. And we're going to see here in a moment the sins of pleasing self, the characteristics. Somebody says, how do I know if I'm living my life pleasing God? Or how do I know if I'm living my life pleasing self? Well, right now we're going to look at it. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 21. I want to show you this here. 1 Kings chapter 21. This is, this is great. You say, how do I know if I am one who loves to please God or if I am one who loves to please self? Here's the characteristics of someone focused on pleasing self. Selfish people lack contentment. Watch this. Ahab is a powerful king, reigning 22 years. He's got everything he can possibly want. But he's looking at it out of his palace there in, in, in Jezreel, whatever it is, that, that Jezreel, whatever, how you say that there, a town near Samaria. He's looking out and he sees a vineyard. And he says, wow, what a beautiful vineyard. I want to turn that vineyard into what? Verse 2, I want to turn it into a vegetable garden. Now, who would want to do that? I've got to be careful here because some of you guys have vegetable gardens. How many of you have vegetable gardens in your back there? In the summer? I know Rick does. All that, you know, Some of the people do. My grandmother had, growing up here, had a vegetable garden and all that. Isn't that pretty? You know, you get the nice little vegetable, you know, and all that. And then you got to eat a meal. And what do they tell you? Eat your what? Eat your vegetables, right? Have you ever studied the Old Testament? You know what a vegetable garden stood for in the Old Testament? This is very interesting. I've never learned. I, I just, as I've studied this out, I, I found this out. I never knew this before. In Deuteronomy, it says a vegetable garden was a symbol of Egypt. Only mentioned there in Deuteronomy. Where you don't have a vegetable garden because it reminds you of how you were a slave to Egypt instead of taking, letting God take care of you. But guess what Ahab wants? He wants his vegetables. He wants his garden. And he doesn't just want his garden. He wants Naboth to give him his garden. Look at Naboth. And look what he says here in verse 2. He says, give me your vineyard. Give me your vineyard. I want to have it for me. I want my little vegetable garden. I want to have it because it's close to my house. It's convenient. I want, to, I want it for me. Nothing about God. Nothing about do this so I can expand the kingdom. No. I want selfish people are not thinking about God. They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about what they don't have. They're watching and reading stuff. Better homes and gardens. They're watching house hunters. And they're saying, honey, wouldn't it be good if we had that kind of bathtub? Wouldn't it be sweet if we had that garden that they have? Honey, look at that house. That is perfect. We got to have everything they don't have, they wish they had. Sound familiar? Yeah. Have you been there? Anybody else guilty? Not one amen. I'm not clicking the quicker. <laughs> look, what he, look at the offer he makes to him. I will give you a better vineyard. 
I mean, you know, you got a nice vineyard now, but I'm going to give you a vineyard that you can't imagine right now. And if, guess, if you don't want a vineyard, you know what I'm going to do? I could just see him pulling out his cat. I'll give you gold. I'll give you all the money. I'll give you money. That's a pretty good offer, don't you think? You'll get a bigger vineyard or you'll get money. You'll get money. I'll give you the money you want. You can get out of the vineyard. You don't have to worry about the vineyard. I'll give you all the money you need. I'll give you the money. What an offer. There's a big problem. What's the problem? Verse 3. Look at this. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord what? Forbid me. You see, Ahab, you know the Bible. You got to understand the Bible. You don't have disregard for God. Do you know that the Israelites did not trade their land? The, Israel, the land was a gift from God to their families. It's not tradable land. It's not something you sell. It's God gave it to you. And because God gave it to you, you keep it for the family. This is not something you can give up. He says, the Lord forbid me that I do that. I can't do this. God's will means more to me than a piece of land. But yet Ahab wants that because he can care less about God's will. He just wants his temporal satisfaction. Let me just tell you something. What good is it if we gain the whole world and yet we forfeit our very soul? And yet we see a lot of people who call themselves believers who will sacrifice God's will to get their temporal wants. And they know that God don't want it for them to have it, but you know what? They gotta have it because they don't have it. They need something better. They need the better house. They need the better body. They need the better person in their lives, whatever it may be. And they go after those things with a disregard for God's will. He did that. That's what selfish hearts do. Now here's where the, here's where it gets fun, the story. I, I, I love Old Testament narratives. This is where it gets kind of fun. You know, s selfish people lack contentment, but I'll tell you what else selfish people do. They throw temper tantrums. All right, now this, this is fun because we had four kids and we have four kids and uh, we had, we have four kids <laughs> who threw temper tantrums and they all had their different way. And as a sin-natured father, sometimes I would like to see if I could provoke him a little bit to get a little temper tantrum out of him. Have you, you ever been there? You know what I mean? Let me see if I can. Yeah, I know, I know. I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. I've learned. I've grown over the years. My mother used to do it to me. See, it's the sins of the mother. My mother used to do it to me. She used to say, watch this. I'm going to get Jeremy so mad he's going to throw all his stuffed animals out of his room. And uh, she used to do something. I would run into my room. Oh, I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you. And throw all my stuffed animals one at a time out of the room. Well, some of our kids, they used to throw themselves on the ground so hard they would hit their heads. Anybody have kids like that? You know, I'm the only one. Some of them were really smart. They would throw themselves, they would have this routine, they would do the... Mm, 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 go on the ground and leave their head just a little bit up before the floor. Perfect temper tantrum. We had one that would grab his or her ears, I won't say who it was, and just grabbed it, it turned all red. We had one, I'd play video games with them, and they would say, Daddy, if you beat me, I don't love you. I don't love you, Daddy, if you beat me. And I would beat him. I, I won't tell you who it was, but uh, I'd beat him or her. You know, somebody's very... So, <laughs> I'm in big trouble later on. 
Watch this temper tantrum in the Bible. This is incredible. Ahab came into his house after Naboth told him no, right? Look at verse 4. He came into his house sullen and vexed. He's mad and sad. Okay? Because of the word of Naboth that's spoken to him, for he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father. That's not what he said. He said, I can't do it. This is God's will. I can't. But he's making it up in his own mind that he can't get it. And so look what he does. He lays down on, this is a grown man. He lays down on his bed. He turns away his face and he wouldn't come to dinner. <laughs> he is sucking his thumb in bed by himself, doesn't want to be around, just lays there and sitting there and just doesn't want to go to eat over a piece of land. And this is incredible. Watch this. It even gets even funnier. Jezebel sees it. She intervenes. She goes, he comes and she says, how is it that your spirit is so sullen? You're not eating. Come on, eat, eat, eat. What are you doing? You're not coming to dinner? Come on. And then look at him in verse 6. He talked to me, he goes, oh, because I'll tell you why, and I can just see him cry. Oh. You know how kids do, and they get all upset. Oh, I just, I, you know, I told him to give me my, your vineyard for money, or else if it pleases you, I'll give you a vineyard. But he said, I won't give you my vineyard. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get to this point. I love this one. <laughs> This came at a perfect time in my life because um, Ellie, Ellie was going for a scholarship this week and uh, we were really praying. A lot of you guys were praying. We were all praying. We were praying God going to do it. God's going to do it. And uh, Thursday she finds out she doesn't get it and she's in tears and I'm in bed and I'm sitting in bed and I'm throwing a temper tantrum and I'm thinking to myself, I'm King Ahab here. <laughs> the only thing I wasn't doing is sucking my thumb because I gave that up at fourth grade, but <laughs> took me a while. <laughs> but I'm so mad over what? A temporal thing. It happens to us so much. We complain, we yell, we, 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 we get upset, we get so, oh, I don't want to eat. We lose our appetite over what? Temporal things. And here he is sitting there. He won't eat. He's upset. He's, he's mad. And look what she says to him. I mean, she's not a godly person. Look at verse 7. She tells him, she says, Who are you? Don't you reign over Israel? You're the king. What are you doing asking him for a piece of land? You demand this. Use your authority. Get up. Eat. Eat. Let your heart be joyful. Okay, you can't get the land. I'll get it for you. I'll get it for you. I'll give you the vineyard. Now, does she use any godly means? You better believe she doesn't use any godly means. She, she can care less about God. So what does she do, this, this Jezebel? What's her plot? She writes letters in Ahab's name. She, she proclaims a fast. She makes it think like it's something spiritual. What else does she do? She, she had him sit in a prominent place. She set up two scoundrels who were false witnesses against him to say that he cursed God, and she has him killed. What a godly woman. Talk about ungodly to the core. And you want to know what's sad about this? 
it worked. Right down to the T. Her diabolic plan, diabolic plan worked perfect. Her clever plan. She had it go, had those guys go, had them do the two witnesses, false witnesses. It all worked. Sent them out. Not only did he get killed, you know what's sad? They killed his sons too. All because he wanted to do God's will. Isn't that amazing? I mean, how low can you go, Ahab? But let me tell you, with a selfish heart, we can care less about other people. And we can care less what happens to them. And here he is. And I could just see it. She comes in. She says, you know what, honey? Guess what? We got the vineyard. We got it. Got it. Really? Yeah, go down and take possession of it. Go ahead. And I could just see Ahab smiling, eating some food, going there. Got my little vegetable garden. Isn't this great, you know? I'm going to have my little vegetable garden. I'm going to enjoy it all to myself. Uh Uh-uh. God's not going to let you get away with this. God sends Elijah. And when God sends Elijah, look what he tells him to do. Ask him a question. You shall speak to him saying this. Thus says the Lord, have you murdered also and taken possession? You shall speak to him saying this. Thus says the Lord, in the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, the dogs will lick up your blood, even yours. In other words, he says, ask him a question so that he would admit his guilt. And not only that, tell him that judgment is coming. Wow, two things. Ask him a question, see how he responds. And then you tell him, you're in big trouble for what you've done. You've murdered and you've taken possession. You're wrong. You shouldn't do this. Now, how do you think Ahab's going to respond to this? Well, watch this. Selfish people, they lack contentment. Selfish people throw temper tantrums. Well, let me tell you something about selfish people. They hate hearing the truth. Look what he calls Elijah. Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, oh my what? (laughs) You got me? I mean, what are you doing here in my beautiful vegetable garden? You found me? You're my what? And how did he become his enemy? What made him an enemy? Look at this verse here. Galatians 4.16. So I have become your enemy by telling you what? Isn't it amazing? When we as God's instruments try to help somebody who is living a selfish life and point out some things and tell them the truth, how we go from being their friends to being their enemies. Isn't it amazing? That all of a sudden, this great person that was in their lives, all of a sudden, they hate you because what? You told them something's wrong. Isn't it amazing when people tell us something wrong, that all of a sudden we start to rehearse all the wrong things about them in our minds? Who is so-and-so to talk to me? And all of a sudden we start thinking about these things. We be, they become enemies because they tell us the truth. We need to have hearts that accept the truth. <clears throat> but a selfish heart hates the truth. And here's what he tells Ahab. He says this, look, I'm not your enemy. I have found you, verse 20. Here's what you've done. You have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. You have sold, you have made yourself a See, sin, we don't have to go down that selfish path. We don't have to go down that. But when we do go down that path, we sell ourselves to sin. 
We were studying Romans and we're talking about presenting ourselves as instruments of righteousness or instruments of unrighteousness. If we present ourselves as instruments to unrighteousness, more unrighteousness comes. But as we present ourselves to righteousness, more righteousness. He says, you sold yourself. You sold yourself. Let me, let me just tell you this. When we sin, we sell ourselves short of what God really wants out of our lives. When we sin, we are saying to God and to others that temporal pleasures are more important to us than obedience to God. When we sin and are selfish, we're saying to God, you didn't give me enough. I need more. He sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Now watch this. Ahab hears these words. Here's a guy who married Jezebel, care less about God. Here's a guy who is defying God, worshiping Baal, worshiping the, the, the goddess, the, the fertility goddess, worshiping all these things. He hears this message from Elijah. Watch what he does. This is amazing. This blows my mind. Look at his response. It came about when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and fasted. And he lay in sackcloth and went around what? Despondently or humbly. You know what he did? He humbled himself before God. <laughs> this got him. Now, I wish it lasted. It didn't. I wish this was a, a total full repentance, but it wasn't. But, but here's what is absolutely amazing about this, and this should amaze you. God in his grace God in his mercy and grace. Look what he does. He postpones judgment on Ahab. And he allows Ahab to die. He, he could have killed him right there. The dogs did lick his blood. But he could have killed him right there. But God postpones judgment on Ahab. Isn't that? That blows my mind. Because this isn't Apostle Paul that God saves and then all of a sudden Paul is useful for God. Why in the world would God ever postpone judgment on Ahab? Because our God is a merciful and gracious God. That's who he is. Somebody who can care less about God, care less about his word, care less about others. And God still postpones judgment on him. And you want to know what blows my mind? God doesn't just postpone judgment on us. God revokes judgment on those who come to Christ. There is no condemnation the moment we accept Jesus Christ. That should blow your mind. Because we live very selfish lives, even after Christ. We want that other thing. We don't care, and we throw temper tantrums when God doesn't give it to us. And we don't care the damage that we have to do to other people to get what we want, and we sell ourselves short of God's will. And yet he revoked judgment because of Christ. That is amazing. Why Ahab? Why did God have mercy on him? I, I was studying that out and I really can't find a reason other than God is good. Why me? Why you? When you come up with a good reason, let me know. You see, Ellie sent this to us. 
This was amazing. Jesus, Jesus paid it all. Look at this. Sin, He paid it. Shame, He paid it. Pain, He paid it. Past mistakes, He paid it. Rejection and loneliness, He paid it. Slavery to sin, He paid it. Spiritual death, He paid, paid it all. And now we can be righteous with Him. Praise God for that. Don't forget this. So let me ask you a question. Are you living to please God or to please self? There's only two options. Look at your actions this past week. Are you thankful for what you have? Or are you upset when you look out and you see other people have things you don't have? Something is wrong. Are you upset when God doesn't answer your prayers and give you what you want? That's a, that's a characteristic of a selfish heart. And are you willing to hurt others to get what you want and sell yourself short to what God has just so you can have those little temporal blessings for the moment? That's not God's will. I want us to prepare our hearts right now. And if somebody can call the older kids up, please, I'd appreciate that. We have communion once a month.